This is WMPG. My name is Dr. Anne. Welcome to Safe Space Radio for Courageous Conversations. This afternoon is a new series on difficult conversations themselves. When you have a painful, intense difference or disagreement with someone, how do you talk about it? Should you try to talk about it? Will it actually help? Today, I will be talking to Tim Wilson about his work with Seeds of Peace, an international organization that brings together teenagers from war-torn countries around the world to build relationships with each other and to learn leadership skills here in a summer camp in Maine and also throughout the year in 27 countries. Tim Wilson is the Senior International Advisor and Director of the Maine Seeds Program. He's been with Seeds of Peace since its founding in 1993. Until 2006, he was the director of both the Seeds of Peace International Camp here in Maine and the Seeds of Peace Center for Coexistence in Jerusalem. When he's not been working for Seeds of Peace, Tim has also been appointed by three different Maine governors to posts, including chair of the Maine Human Rights Commission, the state ombudsman, and also the associate commissioner of programming for the Department of Mental Health, Mental Retardation, and Corrections. Welcome to Safe Space, Tim. Thank you pleasure. So what I understand at Seeds of Peace is that you bring together kids from all over the world and you help them have fun together, get to know each other, live together, but you also have context where they're actually talking about some of their differences. And I'd like to hear how, how does that very first meeting go? What are the ground rules that you set or how do you invite them to begin? I think the best way to put this is the kids realize when they arrive, that they are going to have conversations uh, with, in quotes, the other side. Um, what that amounts to is dialogue sessions that last uh, uh, an hour, about sometimes close to 90 minutes. There are uh, trained facilitators who uh, interact with the kids in those dialogue sessions. Again, let me make sure when I say 90 minutes, it is 90 minutes, but when you, you I always say that 60 minutes is really hardcore, and the, the other 30 is that you're negotiating in conversations. The conversations are uh, controlled by the way questions are put forth by the facilitators, but the young people know that that space is safe, which means that they're able to discuss things and know those things are going to stay within the parameter of those walls where they are holding their sessions. Uh, we have different spaces around camp. Um, and those those dialogue sessions continue even when they get back to the region. They will hold uh, different sessions, whether they be international discussions within their own group or uh, Malde, uh national meetings where they again, across borders where they sit down and continue their discussions. And those discussions don't just stop there. They continue even when the kids are, in quotes, adults, or after they've graduated from college and come out of the Army. They, 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 at different times, they still continue in different ways. When we start these off, there's always a speech made, the basics being uh, this saying, which the kids always laugh about. I still use it no matter whether I'm making a speech about seeds or getting a group of kids together. And I heard this when I was very young and at home, and 
and my father, and this makes sense. God gave you two ears and one mouth. If he meant it the other way, it would have been the other way. And what that emphasis is on is listening. Learning how to listen is a very difficult skill. And we emphasize that at camp. So the kids take time to hear what the other person has to say. And before they jump in and give their opinions. When you see it work to the fullest, it's, you know, it's like the after the first week or so, you begin to see it really begin to work with the kids, whether they're in their dialogue sessions or whether they're sitting down just among themselves, sitting down on different benches in camp and having their own discussions or whether it's right in the living facilities we call bunks. That skill set is important. And there's another part of it. We use a, a concept of a, there's a stool that was painted that's put on a tree. And the stool has three legs. One leg is trust. One leg is communication. The other leg is respect. And if you can work those three out, then you can determine what the seat's going to be, how it affects your marriage, your job, whatever. You can create your own seat. The kids learn by virtue of of working that. It becomes part part of their lives. I have many who still, you know, this is now 2013, and you know, we're talking about 20 years ago. And some of the kids who still they stay, you know, stay in touch with me still still use that that sense of of uh, learning how to communicate by using those premises. So I want to ask you about the first leg of that stool, Tim, because kids are coming here from places where they've lost family members who've been killed by the other side. So, you know, I'm picturing myself coming to this camp and I've lost family members that I love. And here's my enemy sitting down with me. And you're telling me that one of those three legs is trust. And And trust is earned. And well, so tell me more about how do you how do you work trust into this? Because people come in not trusting at all. I'll give you an example. This happened in um, right after really the Intifada started in 2000. Uh, there was a young man, I'll take it back, it was before 2000. There was a young man who came, and he, he um, had heard about The Night, written by Elie Wiesel. And a couple of the kids were reading the book, and this young man said, from Palestine said there was no Holocaust. Another young man in his bunk gave him the book to read. At night, you're supposed to turn your lights out at, at 10, it's around 9, 30, 10 o'clock. This kid took his flashlight, the one who said there was no Holocaust, put his blanket over his head and read the book all through the night. The next day, we have a community meeting. This young man sat beside the young, one is Arab, the other is Jewish, and he sat beside him and said to him, I apologize. After reading this book, I now understand. The boy who had the book originally was related to Ixlaq Rabin. The boy who, the counselor who gave the original book to the Palestinian was John Wallach's son. 
the founder of CTPs. I observed it. I observed what happened afterwards and the friendship that these two young men over the next couple weeks began to have their discussions about all of what was in that book plus the questions that the young man had who was from Palestine and reverse it to the young Jewish young man about his questions about why he felt that way, plus his own feelings towards Palestinians, created a, a, a further discussion by other boys in the bunk. That's how it starts. You, you, the kids have to learn it's okay to disagree, but it's also okay to begin trusting someone who is different from you because of where he lives, the, where his, what his government stances are. When you said trust has to be earned, I mean, what that story tells me is that the Israeli guy was pleasantly surprised to hear that this Palestinian boy was willing to read the book and willing to yep. apologize. So he, earned, he did earn that trust. That's right. There, and there are many cases like that. I mean, I, you know, I could go on for hours about the different things I've seen over the years. One, in 1994, when we, we didn't have girls in the first session in 93. But girls came in 94, and that's a whole other story how that happened. But in that session, there were two young women who didn't necessarily get along with each other. One was Palestinian, and the other one was Israelis. I mean, they really did not get along. They got through camp. About 10 years later, we had a dinner at a hotel in, in East Jerusalem, and two of the people at the table... One girl was from Ramallah, and the other girl was from Tel Aviv. The girl that was from Tel Aviv is a film producer now, and the other girl is a facilitator, lawyer type from Ramallah. They sat beside each other. It was almost like they never left camp. They talked like two little kids after that space of almost 10 years. Now, I, I tell you that because they come from very different backgrounds, but because of the experience of being together for that 24 days, and they had kept up a little bit with each other over time, but having those two tell the story to the rest of the people about their dislike of each other when they were young and now where they were as adults also says, a little bit about what happens. This is the the whole vision of Seeds of Peace, I imagine, that in fact these yeah, relationships begun early. Has, I mean, there's so many good things that you that you can talk about. I mean, even with our own main program, um, we had a young woman who was invited to go to Lewiston during the height of the issues in 2003 in the in the mayor and all that. And some of the people in, you know, in Auburn and in Lewiston, their views on these people coming to their to the area. This young woman was from Portland and was Somalian, and she was at Portland High School. She took a group of kids from Portland and from other places where we had some main seeds, and she took them up to the Lewiston area, and they spoke to groups in Auburn as well as to the Lewiston uh, school board 
as well as their, their city council. And along with her was a young woman who was Vietnamese and Cambodian. Now, both of those young women are not, you know, they're now adults. The young woman who was Cambodian and Vietnamese graduated from Bates, and she now runs a foundation that deals with orphans in Phnom Penh. But she was born in the States. She was born in Atlanta, and then her family moved to Maine. Okay? The other girl graduated, went to Bowdoin, graduated with a Chamberlain from with a Chamberlain scholarship, but she's now in law school at the University of Minnesota. But these two young women made a difference at that time with the way Lewiston handled tried to handle their situation during that tumultuous period. How did they make a difference? What did they do? They first showed uh, let me take the Vietnamese Cambodian young woman. She walked the Lewiston educational system through ESL programming and how she thought it was not done in the right way. And the Lewiston superintendent at that time agreed with her along with some of the board members. She was 14 years old, and they listened to her intently and asked her for, for her help to help them. And she had other kids help them to understand some of the things they needed to do in ESL in their beginning programs. The other girl who was Somalian, she went to the hot spots in both towns along with other kids and talked people through the issues they were going to be they were facing and showed by her strength of character and also that she was at Portland High School and had the support of her principal and teachers about how they were trying to deal with some issues at their school at that time. And she gave them examples of how to work together. That's just leadership. And you're talking about two young women who were 14 years old. <laughs> and and that's, that's the whole part of, I think, that I'm the proudest about when we talk about seats. These young people gamble on each other because many of them work together to do things. And they also exhibit leadership within their schools and promote other kids. SEEDS is not just for SEEDS, it's for the development of their communities where these kids live, how they can help their communities to get better. And, and um, you know, again, I'm talking about Maine, and then I'm also saying, you know, the other parts of the world, they're similar. The kids from, from other parts of the world gain a lot when they do discuss things with the main kids because the main kids can do more in their communities. They're not restricted with checkpoints. They're not restricted with some of the things that the kids are faced with in the Middle East or even the kids in India, Pakistan, Afghanistan. They're not faced with the borders because a kid from Maine can have an idea that a kid from Syracuse or New York, or Washington, D.C., can copy and utilize right now. At the same time, some of the kids overseas take ideas that the kids have had in Maine, and vice versa. I want to ask you about a particular issue that I don't know if it comes up so much in Maine, but I want to ask you about the problem of revenge 
And if you feel done to by your enemy, if you feel like you have permanently lost someone that you loved because your enemy has been part of killing them, how do you work that issue with these kids? How do you talk about it and how do you help people with that? Sometimes people try to show they've suffered more than the other side. That's a given. Yeah. I'm going to one-up you. I had this happen, the other person relates, I had this happen. Somewhere along the line, there has to be someone who steps up and say, enough. We've both suffered in different ways. That comes from the leadership coming from within. Sometimes it's the kids who've been in camp who come back as second-year people. We, we call PSs who help the kids through that whole thing. Are you, are you 100% successful? No, but there is success. And it's also, in my case, I know that I had to speak to a few things when I spoke to the issues as related to things that happened in my family and my life where I lost people on my family side due to the Ku Klux Klan. And I explained how my parents dealt with it with me so that I would not Tell me that story, continue Tim. the hatred when it gets you nowhere. How did your parents help you with that? I mean, um, I grew up, you know, post all that stuff. My brothers and sisters are, are older than me, and they grew up with a different piece of it because they grew up, one grew up at the end of the First World War, into the, into the 20s, the other, the other two, two of them grew up that way, and two of them grew up during the Depression, and they saw their grandparents, my grandparents, differently than I did because I came later. And so the way my brothers and sister felt about certain things, my parents helped me to see that I didn't have to see it the same way. Did they sit you down and spell it out, or how did they actually oh, yes. do it? Oh, yes. I grew up with uh, with great teachers great mentors from my older siblings and my parents. My mother and father just spent a lot of time explaining things to me and the choices that I, I could have in my life if I chose to. It was up to me. So um, what I hear you saying is that unlike your older siblings, your response to the loss of family members due to racism and hatred and violence was partly it was different partly because you felt like things had changed and your parents gave you reason to hope am i am i hearing well that right? i don't say i well let me back that up a little bit it's not reasons my 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 mother was very practical my father was a visionary but my mother was really very practical and she said life's not fair but you have to keep on battling it you cannot give in to what someone else feels you should be. My father, on the other hand, looked at things in stages and said, these things will change in a certain way. You have to be prepared for that. If you're willing, if you, if you, if you're willing to work and to do this, this, and this, this may happen. Now, my, my brothers and my sister, because of the times, they didn't benefit from what what history changed to. I did. But there's certain doors that opened up because of 
what was going on in our country at the time. The race is what it is. The problem is we don't discuss it. I mean, it's the elephant in the room, but everybody, you know, I don't care whether you're in Israel or Palestine or India or Pakistan, it's still the same. The same. The issues are very intertwined. Do you bring race up? I mean, is that part of what you do is you name it and you have it be part of the conversation? It's, it becomes part of the conversation. Yes, it does. Because if we're not naming it and it's the big thing going on, it's hard to it's hard to make progress. Well, the the problem is is that people put a bunch of other stuff in front of it. You have got to say, okay, this is the header, and everything else comes after that. But we got to look at race. It's <laughs> just yeah. what it is. Yeah. Don't don't cover it up. That's the perfect note to end this interview, Tim. Don't cover it well, up. Let's name this elephant in the room. Thank you so much for being my guest on Oh, I enjoyed this. Thank you so much for inviting me to. I've been speaking to Tim Wilson, the Senior International Advisor and Director of the Maine Seeds of Peace Program. If you want to learn more about Seeds of Peace, please go to their website at www.seedsofpeace.org. I want to thank today Jen Hudson for mixing the sound, Maurice Lennon for the music, and Jim Russell for being my consultant. If you didn't get to hear all of this interview and you know you want to or you want to send it to someone, please go to our website, which is www.safespaceradio.com. You can sign up there to get a weekly email with a link to that week's show. Coming up next is Speak Freely.